Good morning. I want to welcome you to a prophetic podcast for this week's broadcast, and I want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning, this week, uh, wherever you're at. And I have, uh, I'm very excited. I have a, a new guest with me, Mark Lawson, who um, the Lord has just connected us, and um, we um, are real excited about our connection and what God is doing. And I'm really excited to have Mark on the show uh, this week and to interview him and ask him about, uh, to share with us what the Lord is speaking to him for this year, for 2017. And I know he, uh, we've talked, you know, maybe the past week or so, and uh, just what he was sharing with me was uh, much confirmation of um, what I've been seeing, uh, a lot of the same things I'm seeing the Lord doing. And um, I'm really excited uh, to have Mark on the show. Uh, Mark uh, has been in ministry for what, Mark, about 30-something years now? Uh, 38 years, yes, sir. 38 years, wow. And he was the founder of Northgate Church in Woodstock, Georgia. And God has used Mark um, to do a lot of awesome things. I know he... He, he flows in the supernatural. Uh, God uses him in, in signs, wonders, and miracles. And it's such a blessing um, to have Mark on the show. So, Mark, I'm going to open it up and, and just ask you, uh, what is God showing you for 2017? What, what's he speaking to you? Well, I'm really glad to be here, Miles. Thanks for having me. And... Uh, Really excited about what God is doing today because I feel like the more I walk with the Lord, the less, the more I know Him, the less um, confident I am about a number of things, but I'm more confident than ever about other things. So it's almost like I'm less confident about myself, but I'm much more confident in Him. Uh, so, but this year I really felt. About two years ago, I started to sense that we were entering a season of overthrow, where uh, the Lord was going to overthrow some things that had been long-standing, and He was going to bring a—He's going to flip things around. And I found this passage of scripture for this year that I thought was for this year, um, and it also begins with last year because. October 2nd, 2016, begins the Jewish year of 5777. And, you know, God does stuff on his calendar, which is his people's calendar. And the Gregorian and all these other calendars, they're important. And God works with our cultures. But uh, uh, things started shifting uh, worldwide October, uh, beginning of October last year. Yeah. And the scripture I got was Isaiah 29, 14, 16. It says this. In the, uh, in the ESV, it says, Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with my people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men. Then it says, And the wisdom, though, of wise men will perish, and the sermon of discerning men will be hidden. O oh, you who hide deep things from the Lord, your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and then say, Who sees us? Who knows us? Who can do anything about it? Then it says, the Lord says to them, you turn things upside down, which implies God's going to have to turn things right side up, right? 
So he, it's like God's in a season of flipping things that are backwards, and he's bringing them back in alignment. So this is a season God's exposing those things and flipping things over. Remember he said, if you see that mountain and it's in the wrong place, say to that mountain, be thou removed and put over here. So it's that season of wonder upon wonder. So the first thing I saw about it is the season of the outsider, uh, the season of the underdog, the season of the rise of the holy disturber, uh, where people are just going to come in and shake and shock things. And I was thinking it's very interesting because we've had uh, at least two events that have shaken our world. The Cubs winning the World Series, the Chicago Cubs who haven't won a World Series since, uh, well, 108 years. And so when they won, nobody expected that to happen. They came out of nowhere. And I think even by the end of September, people didn't. Uh, the Lord told me they were going to win that. It, the Lord said, God's going to put the Cubs, um, the Cubs are going to win the WS, the World Series, and Trump's going to win the WH, the White House. And those things happened within, a, within about five weeks. And, uh, you know, these, these, the outsiders coming from behind are coming out of nowhere. And I don't know, you know, I'm in Atlanta, but the Falcons have never won a Super Bowl, and it looks like they're going to win one this They're favored to win it uh, Sunday, so we'll see. But uh, it, it, would, it would not surprise me if they just blow it away. But basically what it is is the big dogs, the old guard, the established uh, thing are being flipped over now. Yeah. And to say they're upsets under states because this is God toppling a whole – it's like he's toppling – he's like taking the ground and flipping it over. So it's yeah. pretty – it's more than a long shot type thing. It's a, uh, um, a big deal. The other thing the Lord told me is he said it's the season of the underdog, the outsider – it's also number two, God's going to end the losing streak of the church. We've been on a long losing streak, but it's time to have a winning streak. And um, uh, we're going to see some awesome momentum be given to the people of God. Once we get a momentum, Miles, you know, momentum, once you get momentum and you don't stop, you keep accelerating. And it's, it's not hard to slow down if you have momentum and you can always pick back up speed. But when you come to a stop, it takes much more energy to get going from a dead stop. And that's God's releasing momentum back to his people. So we're moving in, uh, we're moving again. You know, so I was telling the church a few Sundays ago, I said, um, I said, you want to stay in the move of God, then keep moving. Uh, don't stop. So God, God is really uh, releasing us to that kind of thing. And uh, uh, the other scripture I was Deuteronomy 28, 7. The Lord will cause your enemies uh, who rise against you to be defeated before you. So that movement right at them runs them over. Uh, they'll come at you one way, but they'll flee from you at least seven ways. So this is, this is good stuff. The Lord's going before us to do it. Uh, this, another thing I saw, and you can, we can stop and we can go back and forth on this. But I felt like that scripture for about three years, I felt that Isaiah 59, 13, 14, lies and corruption are so part of what's going on in our culture that um, that being exposed is shocking to some people. Uh, but lies have become so commonplace, Miles. Uh, much of our nation has been in a delusion, but they're coming out of it. 
And here's a dream I had uh, this a few months ago. I had a dream where anglers, you know, like anglers or those fishermen? Yes. Uh, angler. It was anglers, and they were, I knew they weren't anglers. I knew in the dream they were anglers, but I knew they were angels. But they were, they were opening people's mouths and saying, open up, and pulling these snakes out of their mouths. And I, and I felt like the people that they were pulling the snakes out of the mouths of were uh, people in the marketplace, in the media. And I feel like the Lord is, is dis destroying lies that we've been getting a steady diet of for years, maybe, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years, uh, is about to stop all of a sudden. And the Lord said to me that uh, it'll be such a shock uh, that truth that's been hidden for years will break out, and um, th that uh, what what offends us right now will become music to our ears. What wow. initially is offensive to us will become music to our ears because we love, we should love the truth. Yes. Wow, that's powerful, and you know, um, that that's good in so many ways, and and I. You know that scripture you just gave in Isaiah fifty nine thirteen and fourteen. Yeah. Uh, it says in fourteen, and justice is turned away backward. Yeah. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth right. has fallen in the street. In the streets. And equity cannot enter. And yeah. uh, that is a very good description, I believe, of of what we're seeing going on uh, throughout our nation, and in a lot of different ways. And um, you know. It's it's just very profound. Uh, also, what you said is about the overthrow, and um, you know, um, one thing just to kind of bounce or counter off what you were saying is, um, I believe wholeheartedly that God is overthrowing the overthrow. Yeah. That He's overthrowing the overthrow, and and you know, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me about a week or two ago. And um, I was ministering at uh, the Coastal Georgia IHOP uh, House yeah. of Prayer here where I live. And uh, it was the day before the inauguration. And um, the Holy Spirit said, I'm releasing triumph throughout the land. Oh. Yeah, I'm releasing triumph. And uh, right before the election happened, the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, um, there is a shout of victory that's about to be released through my people. Amen. And it was so powerful because, um, you know, I think it's in first or second Corinthians, uh, but it says that God always leads us in triumph. He, you know, he's always causes us to triumph. Yes. And we're experiencing overwhelming victory. Um, you know, for a while at the end of last year, I kept having a, a vision. I kept seeing a vision of an eagle soaring. And uh, the Lord was saying, I'm releasing the wind of the Spirit, and it's going to cause my people to rise up on, oh. wings like weagle, on, wings like, on wings like eagles, and it's going to cause them to soar. Um, and that's so true that the Spirit of God does lift us up onto the supernatural realm Um we're, you know, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and um, we have to have a greater awareness of that and a revelation of that, that we are indeed seated with Christ in heavenly places, uh, far above principalities, powers, yep. um, and all these things. And so that is very, very 
awesome. Uh, you know, and I, I just want to say this real fast and I'll come back to you, is that, you know, any time that, uh, it's like any time I come before the Lord, I, I've been preaching on the secret place recently. And, um, you know, it, it's like any time I come before the Lord, it's just amazing to me at the amount of revelation and how, how, um, how quickly the Holy Spirit is to to want to reveal and to want to speak yes, and to is. want to um you know just encourage us to to equip us to anoint us and, and uh, to cause us to prosper yes and, and it's just really quite amazing um and so i'm i'm really encouraged you know and um i know we're seeing a lot of uh divisiveness a lot of anger a lot of hatred uh, especially in the political realm. Um, and, and I want you to comment a little bit on that because, you know, the Bible that I read says the body of Christ isn't divided. And I, I see the enemy trying to work overtime yeah. to even bring division in the body of Christ over politics. Well, yeah, what he's doing is the, um, the, the new media, uh, the old guard of old media, the media mountain is being toppled because it's been speaking lies. And what's going to happen, and what is happening is, we're getting a love for the truth, and now the rest of the country has to figure this out and has to see it. And there is, there is it's not going to stay that way. It's, uh, even the prophet, that there was a man that prophesied this whole thing would happen with Trump, uh, would win the way he did, even the way he won. He prophesied that, a guy named Mark Taylor, a prophet, a uh, prophetic fire, actually a retired fireman from Orlando. But, uh, but, but um, here, here's what's happening. This, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, John 16, he will guide you into all the truth for he won't speak on his own. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he'll declare to you things that are coming. Take what is mine. He will glorify me, but take what is mine and give it to you. So we've been, with our heads, we've been listening but with our heart is what we re where we really hear. And what's happening is people are starting to really hear now. Uh, and this divisiveness, I believe this is like the manifestation when a demon is about to, this, when you encounter the strong man, like in Matthew 12, yes. and it's first bind the strong man and then throw him out. The strong man, if you see it this weekend, there's been these uprisings in it, but the Muslim Brotherhood has infiltrated much of our uh, Washington. And that was a, that, that's part of what is being toppled here right now. And a lot of the influence of other nations over ours that weren't supposed to be here. There's always going to be lobbyists and people vying to get their way. Chinese propaganda and all this through the movies. I don't know if you notice in the movies, all the movies have positive Chinese propaganda because China is buying more and more of the movie studios. But, but it says here, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. Here's the good news about this. The power... Uh, I know it comes with prayer and it comes with fasting and it comes with all of those things, but it really comes when we grasp onto the truth. And this 20 years ago, I had a vision driving up to our church. We're in a move of God. This is in back in Alpharetta, uh, North Atlanta. And I had a vision of a 150 foot tall angel. I knew it was 150 foot tall and I could, it was like, I could see it. I was almost sure it was that size. And so massive, it looked like one of those uh, miles. You ever see those giant power lines 
They're running down hills, down mountains. Yes. They're massive. I mean, they're not the yes. 50-foot ones. I'm talking like the 100 the massive ones. Yes. And they run down the side of the mountain, and they, the forest will grow, and it'll stop, and they'll clear that whole area. To the, okay. Well, that's what I saw, and I, I didn't know what it was. I said, wow, that was awesome. But I saw that over our church, and I said, I, I called a prophet right on the phone. I, his name is Bob Jones. I said, uh, here's what I saw. What was that? Is that is that the Lord or is, is what is that angel? Because that massive angel represents the spirit of truth, which is the Lord. The Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. But He represents a certain thing, a spirit, the spirit of truth. And the reason you saw power is, He said, I saw it too because it's like power lines. When you agree with the truth, the power in your life explodes. And because he declares to us all that Jesus is and has. And uh, uh, so there's amazing power coming. Uh, as more and more people start speaking out the truth, whether it's in Washington or wherever, once people start telling the truth, again, all these, these, these it's like a manifest, a demon manifesting. It screams a lot for a while, then it's gone. Yes. That's what's happening now. We're seeing... Uh, God has flipped over all the mountains in our in our nation, the media mountain, the political mountain. He's going to do it in the education and all these other areas, and we're going to see some major shift. Uh, but it's going to involve. It's we need the power of God to do it, um, and we have to represent Him as a testimony. Like the the presence of God was was declared where you when you saw the Ark of the Presence. It was also called the Ark of Testimony. So the testimony, telling the truth about what God does in our life, is going to accelerate as we talk about what God's doing. We're going to see um, much power come out of that. Wow, that's Woo! awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, believe that to be true. <laughs> and, you know, um, man, another thing the Lord has spoken to me recently, which I, uh, you know, I don't, you know, go around. I don't preach about angels a lot. And, and talk about it a lot um but the holy spirit spoke something to me really interesting recently and he said i am gonna release revelation to my body in in this season in this hour of um he's gonna release revel he's releasing revelation to the body of christ of how um we work how we co-labor how we work together with angelic host yeah how they assist us how they serve us how they assist yeah. us how they minister to us and um the body of christ i believe is really lacking in understanding how the angelic realm operates how how the spirit realm operates how the supernatural realm operates and why don't you comment on that for a second yeah well um Angels are they're supernatural beings sent by God. Uh, seen in Psalm 107, uh, they hearken unto the voice of the Word of God. So it's almost like if we agree with the, the kingdom, the Word of the kingdom is the Word of God. The King Jesus is our King, and if we align with the words of the kingdom and kingdom ways, not just His Word, His will, uh, but His ways. When we align with those things, the truth is in us. 
And so when the truth is in us, the spirit is in us. And so we can decree a thing, Job 22, 28, and it shall happen. Yeah. And uh, there will be things, for, in other words, if we're lined up with his, with his word, his will, his way, then we're a vessel that can shift quickly and do his bidding on the earth. So we're like a conduit. We're like, uh, and so when we invoke the word of God, we're instantly backed up with angelic presence and or the Holy Spirit presence. And again, I believe uh, a lot of people say, well, is it the Lord? Is it, is it an angel or is it angel of the Lord of healing? Or was it the Holy Spirit? Or what was it? I go, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't worry about semantics. I just want to get it done. That's right. And I, I mean, does it really matter? I mean, the, whole, this, the Spirit of God has, there were seven spirits of God around the throne. I think they represent the different activity that the Holy Spirit invokes. You know, That's right. But the Holy Spirit and the angels back up the Word of God. We know that. Yeah. So. I don't. I just want to be in line with the Word. He is the Word, right? That's so, uh, for example, here's here's one. You know, Atlanta. I don't know if you remember. We're in a drought now. Uh, parts of Atlanta aren't in as bad a drought. It's been raining a lot. Uh, so we're, Lake Lanier still has a little bit. It's about uh, six inches low. But uh, at one time it was about four feet low. About in 2009, and I remember praying. I said, Lord, I, I looked at the the thing on my. Uh, a newspaper, and it said uh, Atlanta's going to run out of water in three months. We have three months left, and people might have to relocate and all this stuff. And I remember looking at that, and I said, Lord, we have a drought. What are we going to do? Well, what are you going to do about this? And he goes, what are you going to do about it? Wow. And, and I said, okay, I'll do whatever I need to do. And then I, I just knew, here's what I knew. And I, I just knew this, and it's history now, so I can say it. But that was seven years ago, uh, eight years ago almost. But um, in in November, I, I think it was November 2009, just around November 2009. I remember going, "What do I do?" I said, "Well, uh, you need to you need to have a prayer meeting on the Capitol steps. Uh, you need to talk to the governor, and he needs to he needs to uh, call a prayer meeting." And he needs to invoke Psalm 62. That's like, well, I don't know the governor. I never, I knew about him. He was a Christian, Sonny Purdue. He went to the church up, my, up the street. So the first thing I did is I called the church up the street. And I said, uh, hey, uh, are you having any prayer meetings? They said, actually, we are having a prayer meeting uh, to, about the drought. Did you know about it? I said, no, I didn't. And I said, oh, that's great. And I listened to her and got some information. And I said, well, that must not be the right one because it's supposed to be on the Capitol steps. So I get a friend of mine that tells me, uh, that actually worked on that campaign, uh, Mr. Produce campaign. I call this guy just out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him probably in five years ago. His name was Justin. I said, Justin, do you know any people there? He goes, oh, yeah. His assistant is this person. His second assistant is that person. Here's the two numbers. If you call them, you can... Tell them what you're feeling. And I told him what I was sensing. I felt like the Lord to say. So I call this lady and say, hey, you may think I'm crazy, but the Lord sent me to call you to tell the governor <laughs> to have a prayer meeting on the Capitol steps, yada, yada, yada. I tell her this whole thing, and she's like, wow. And she goes, I said, now, I'm a Christian. I hope this doesn't sound right. She goes, I'm a Christian. Relax. It's okay. 
But then she goes, you wouldn't believe this. Did you already know all about this? I go, what? She goes, he is having a prayer meeting. And now we, we're definitely going to do it on the Capitol steps and have the news media. Wow. And I, he said, what? She goes, what was that scripture? So I literally told her what the Lord told me, the scriptures to use, not to beg for rain, but declare, thank God that he brings the rain. And, and just invoke the word of God. To, in other words, declare the word of God and angels back it up. Well, anyway, yeah. the next thing I know, I talk to somebody else. She calls me back. She goes, we're going to do it. We got you seats. Uh, we got you front row seats right next to the governor. I said, I'm fine. I, I don't want to do anything. Do you want to be a part of it? I go, no. I just My part of it is to talk to you. And she goes, this is so weird because... He was going to do this, but he's in so much, there's so much opposition. I said, well, I just want to call, maybe I'm to call and confirm it, and then maybe give you some specifics. And literally, she gives me the number of the seat I sit in. I'm sitting, if you look at the Yahoo picture, I'm sitting right behind the governor's right shoulder as he's praying. Um, and it went all over there. It was the picture that went all over the world. And he literally, they walked right through it, Psalm 62. And they read that, and they had like seven pastors. I didn't feel like I needed to do that. I had faith to, to help work it through. Anyway, we've had that prayer meeting. We all agree that 250 uh, world news is there. And it starts raining as we're on the way to the car. And that broke the drought. By, 2000, by 2010, we had... You know, horrible world record hundred year floods, uh, two years in a row. So yeah. So all I know is when we line up with truth, we get the results. Yes, that's so true. It's a wild testimony. That I, is I wild. Didn't help much because it was one of the secret things, and it's long past. But that was wild. Wow, that's awesome. Well, let I want to talk, kind of shift gears a little bit here, and um. You know, this is a prophetic podcast, so we talk a lot about the prophetic ministry and, um, you know, uh, prophets and how God uses prophets and how he's restoring that ministry in the body of Christ okay. in the church. And um, one one thing I wanted to ask you about, well, I, I wanted to read Ephesians 4.11 here. It, it okay. says, and he gave on the one hand apostles... Yep. On another hand, prophets, still others, evangelists, and others, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of the Messiah. And then it goes on in verse 13, until we would all attain in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into yep. a mature person to the measure of the full maturity of the Messiah. Um, so I want to ask you, Mark, um, you know, I would, I would probably, you know, I know you're probably not big on titles or whatever and calling yourself whatever, um, but you're probably flow more of in an apostolic anointing, um, not to say that you're not prophetic too, you certainly are, um, but I want to ask you, how, how do apostles and prophets work together in the church? Well, I think it's interesting, uh, there is an order. And that doesn't get into it in Ephesians 4, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Uh, and this isn't about, this isn't about um, 
uh, here, hierarchy is really about, it's upside down. The, the, apostle, the Paul said apostles are the least of these, the least of all of these, yet they're the first. So it says, as God has appointed these in the church, first, apostles. Yes. Second, a lot of people go, oh, yeah, he gave us the original 12. Well, if you look at it, you'll find about 27 different apostles after those, because Judas killed himself, right? Then Matthias took his place, right? And then you see you see a number of other ones. I came up with it about 27, and I've got that in my second book, my green book. Uh, uh, I believe I talk about the apostolic a little more, but uh, this is second prophets. Uh, hang on a second here. I, I just lost it. Uh, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, administration, Varieties of tongues are all apostles, and we know that. What the what the Baptists or the cessationist movement sometimes use is they go, are all speakers in tongues? No, they use this passage like that has anything to do with anything. They're pulling it out of context. Anything pulled out of context and not tied to three or four other things doesn't make any sense. But that's what the that's what you do in these these um, some of these seminaries that. Tell you God isn't working today. But the apostles, the way I look at it is they're the master builders. But they're also fathers. They're papas. Like, I'm a good dad. I, I got five kids. I love them. They love me. Amen. You know, I'm not perfect. They're not They're not perfect kids. But I'm not a perfect dad. But uh, I, I father them. Uh, I don't understand them sometimes. But I love them have their space. I want them to grow up quick. Uh, my, you know, my wife wants them to grow up a little slower, hang around a little more, but I like them to, you know, grow up, get out, move along, find your destiny, and come back anytime you want. But that's what fathers in the spirit are supposed to do. They're supposed to allow people to grow up. They're supposed to move them to maturity. So, uh, and, and they they literally implement that. They're architects. They. And they, they don't just design. They know the design is Jesus. Uh, Jesus has to be the design. But they know the design. They're builders, but they're building. We, um, the kingdom is, is expanded and grows, but the church can be built. We don't build the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom is unlocked with keys. And so... Um, uh, so, so apostles understand those keys and they understand how to unlock the kingdom because the church is the expression of the kingdom on earth. So how, the apostles are like foundational and yet they should get out of the way. They're not, they shouldn't be people that have to have, you know, I got to be first place. They should be, they should have enough authority and strength that like a good dad, like, you know, I want my kids to grow up. They need to learn how to mow the yard. Here, here's the mower. Here, I did it for you. Now you do it. <laughs> right, exactly. Great people, they don't have to do it all. They can lead them, uh, direct them, model for them, but then they show them. Then they correct them when they mess it up, but and they stay available, but they teach the goal of them, of the apostle, is maturity. The prophets should work hand-in-hand hand with the apostles because the prophets see the plan. They see the vision. They see the uh, those architectural plans that the apostles work with and build. Apostles are good at assembling people. Sometimes prophets are good at scattering people, <laughs> running them off. You know, right. <laughs> so they can really work good together. Um, 
you know, it's funny, and it's funny how the Bible, the four things, the first thing the Bible talks about, you know, apostles, prophets, uh, teachers, and miracles, three of those you don't see in most churches. You see teachers, and you see uh, administrators. That's exactly you know, right. And we've gone this far. Look how far we've gone in the 21st century with just administrators and a bunch of teachers and an occasional evangelists. We have evangelists now running churches of 30,000, and they're not apostles, but they're, they're, they, they're evangelists because instead of moving a tent around, people leave their building in a year. So they go, this is too thin for me. I need, I need to grow up, so I'm leaving. <laughs> There's sort of a, a pastor that, well, a pastor, but I'd say he's one of these evangelistic type pastors with a big following. But he has new people come in. He has like half his congregation leave every year. If you're if you're if you are a real pastor, you wouldn't want that to happen. You wouldn't want to lose anybody, right? And so so people like that bring a new message to a certain group of people. So you know, I I just bless it all. But 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 apostles and prophets really should ping off of one another and not react to each other because they're so different. One sees something and one tries to implement it, and it's a wonder. It's a wondrous thing. Um, yes, and I think I think that, this. You know, e- Ephesians two twenty says apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church. Yep. And um, you know, um, just uh, kind of the under some of the understanding that the Lord has given me when it comes to this, especially this is important for prophets and young prophets. Yes. Or any prophets is that they understand the apostolic ministry, they understand how they work how it works so that they know how to work together um and 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 having a revelation of that um i think really helps bring unity i think the key one of the main keys for real church uh growth and for power and for god to manifest um is obviously unity in the church in the body of christ yeah and and when we come into unity when we have when we become one in the spirit when we have the mind of christ uh then god can move and have his way uh with us and um you know i I see sometimes apostles you know may may um not how to handle prophets or or they they don't know how to um kind of direct the giftings that are in the church oh yeah um and, and i can you know it could get messy at times that's um, great. Yeah. You know what? What's kind of been your experience um, in, in that in that area? Well, the I, okay. Let's look at your typical church. You have a you have a holy. Let's say you have a charismatic or a Pentecostal uh, charismatic type church. Uh, you have a lot of let's say you have prophetic people coming in. It would be wise. The Bible says God does nothing until He reveals it to His servant, the prophets. That's right. So that's right. And so, so it would be it would behoove, and they're part of the foundation of the church. So we have prophetic people coming in instead of thinking they're there. If they're really a, a prophet, they should be reproducing themselves in prophetic people. And if you have prophetic people coming into your church, and you're a pastor and you can't relate to that gift, you should look for. You should see that as God sending you prophetic ministry. And try to find the strongest one of the of those to tame and train and tame 
the the lesser ones and get everybody activated in it. You know what? We had everybody in our church prophesy because you can all prophesy. That's right. uh, the great thing about the prophetic is I think it's so I think it's so foundational to the church that you cannot a church a church member can't find their destiny clearly without prophetic ministry because prophetic ministry unearths or uncovers uh, the secrets of the heart, not bad secrets like you did this, you right. this your wife or you sinned. That, that's the wrong. Prophets bring out the testimony of Jesus for you. Yes. What does God have you to do? What is your spiritual DNA? And, and so prophetic people, I think, a church without pro prophetic people getting regular prophetic ministry is going to dry up and people are going to be confused, and they're going to start making all kinds of mistakes. So a pastor would be wise to pull aside those people and train them privately, and then lease them occasionally publicly, not necessarily let them run the meeting, but let them minister in the meeting at different points, and then if they make mistakes, correct them privately, and work that through just like you do anything else. But I just say it is, the prophetic ministry is like, it's like that explosive that has the green chemical and the red chemical. You put them together, you know, uh, it's massive explosion if, if you can get all of those things gelling. And so I, it, it's high maintenance. It's, it's a lot of pastors don't want to deal with it. They're like, man, it's messy. But yes. hey, a, yeah. a nursery is messy, but it produces babies. You know, right. same is messy, but you have life. Uh, a graveyard is quiet and perfectly in order, but uh, a nursery is a mess and it's loud. You know, so uh, I would rather have a loud mess uh, that's, that there's life in than a dead cemetery. And a lot of churches just want no disorder. Uh, you can have godly order. Now, now, a lot of prophets make mistakes, Miles, because they'll go into a church and say, God's told me I'm a prophet, I got a word for you. That's right. And I'll go, sure, buddy. A real prophetic person will lovingly do that privately. He won't make a spectacle of it. He would he would submit it humbly and say, I feel like the Lord showed me this, and I, does that make any sense? And just hand it to them and walk away. Right. Um, and and say, here's mine if you want to talk more about it. But a, a good prophetic a prophet, a prophet needs to learn how to deliver a message and uh, be freed of the implementation of it. They they're not called to make people obey it. They're called to deliver it. And walk. They're like they deliver the mail and uh, go home. You know what I mean? That's right. That's exactly right. And a lot of people try to like, well, did you that prophetic word I gave you? Are you doing it? Huh? Huh? You know, it's like, are you doing prophet? Are you doing the prophetic word you got three years ago? You know. Right. So, so uh, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the canter or whatever. But. But uh, I, I think it's important to get the most – if, if I was just starting to church fresh, I would try to find the most prophetic person in the room and let them start training the ones that come. And, and, and get rid of the weirdness and the mystical side of it, like where people look at you and they wave their fingers and do weird stuff and they prophesy. I mean, you know, we got to get rid of all that magical, mystical stuff and make it normal, right? Yes. It's supernatural, but it's not. It doesn't have to be weird and mystical. Exactly. Normal people out, right? Amen. No, you're exactly right, and um, that's very good. And and I think you hit on a lot of good things with what you were saying there. Um, 
And, you know, pastors ought not to be intimidated by, by prophets or, you know, prophetic people. Um, really, they're, they're a great asset to the body of Christ. Amazing. And, um, and, and, you know, pastors need to understand um, how prophetic ministry operates also so that they can recognize it when it begins to manifest in their churches. Yep. And they can begin to help uh, disciple it, steward it, and release it. Um, because this is one thing I believe is that, you know, like I said, Ephesians 2.20, apostles and prophets of the foundation of the church. And so, um, to me, apostles and prophets um, bring breakthrough in the church. Absolutely. They, they carry an anointing that brings breakthrough. They, they carry yeah. an anointing that establishes and releases and Absolutely. tears down and raises up. Absolutely. They, they carry an anointing that establishes people and um, that, that brings deliverance and, um, and roots things out. And um, they're, they're pillars that are established. You know, I, I think about, you know, my pastor here, which, uh, you know, he doesn't call himself an apostle, but uh, definitely all the signs and the fruit are there that would say that he is. Um, oh. But, you know, the, the word of God says that he sets people and, and, and when God sets you in a place and he places his authority on you, um, you're, you're pretty much immovable. God will give you territory. He'll, he'll cause you to, and he'll even assign people to you to disciple uh, and to raise up. Um, Here's an interesting point, Miles, about, about the apostle. I just thought it was interesting. We're talking about prophetic people. You can have a prophetic and an apostolic people in your church. Uh, ap, ap, apop, apostolic people send people. They train them and send them. They don't necessarily send them out of the church, but they can definitely send them out of the building so that when they go into the world, they bring the kingdom culture. And here's, here's how you know it. The word apostle was never like a spiritual term. Jesus used it in Luke 6.13. He said he called these 12, and he called them, whom he also named, apostles. But that was a well-known, at the time, um, a military or nautical term, not a spiritual one. Yeah. The Greek word really means to send, but it was a... Uh, uh, it was a nautical or a military term applied to expeditions like the, the Greek the Greek Navy would go somewhere and take over a, a group of islands. And Apostle was the head of the fleet and the officer that commanded it. And, and it also began to be applied to the group of men who were sent on the expedition when they went. Let's say they went and they conquered these islands they would go and apostolize, not apostatize, but apostolize, or they would go and send them to bring their culture, the Greek culture, or the Romans did it too. They would bring the Greco or Roman culture to that area. So an apostle brings his culture, which is a kingdom culture, and you influence the culture in the arts, in music, and you brought a piece of Greek, Greece, to them. You brought the way Greeks did education, the way Greeks did military. So uh, that's what an apostle does. They bring the kingdom. They're the sent ones, and the and the uh, prophetic ones see where they're going. They see how to do it. It's, yeah. it. 
it is so valuable uh, to reject. They, they they should never reject one another. They so they go together like peanut butter and jelly. You know. Yes. Kind of exactly. So let me ask you this. This has um, been something that I've been thinking about recently, and I just want to see maybe you know if God has given you anything on this. Um, but you know, in in the Old Testament, you know, we don't directly see a reference to apostle. Um, we see prophets. I think the first time prophet is mentioned uh, is in Genesis twenty, uh, referring to Abraham. Um, right. But did prophets precede apostles? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, in the in the prophets um, came in. And Jesus, the first time you hear the word apostle is Jesus saying it in, in that passage I just gave you. I think it was, what did I say? Uh, Luke six thirteen, And he also named them as apostle. So that's the first time you see it. You might see it in Matthew 2, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, the synoptics, uh, would have, they have similar theme, similar stories. And uh, Luke always tells the more thorough of the three stories uh but um, they were basically you are my delegated authorities but in the old testament uh and the purpose of old testament new testament prophecy is different new testament prophecy prophecy is clearly outlined in first corinthians 12 and 14 and it says they're there to edify they're there to uh uh they stir they stir uh, i have another way of saying it they stir you up. That's right. Uh, uh, they build you up, and they pull you up. They pull you yeah. up, console you. They can, they're a ministry of consolation to the. If you're discouraged, you need encouragement. You need a prophet, somebody right. to prophesy an encouraging word to you. Uh, they build you up. They edify you, and they also stimulate you, stir you, uh, yeah. provoke you. They even offend you. They wreck. They rattle your cage, you know, so they stir you up, they, they build you up, and they pull you up. So these are, these are three things the New Testament prophets did. The Old Testament prophets had a different uh, purpose, and there are many things they did, signs and wonders, that we can do today in the apostolic and the prophetic. Um, uh, they all went together, but I don't see, a, I see apostles uh, is tied to expanding the kingdom and setting up kingdom beaches. Like your church in Poor, you're going to set up apostolic kingdom beachhead. You're setting up camp, a new kind of uh, representation in that city. Just like when I moved to Atlanta, I felt like God was sending me to bring a move of God and, and to represent the kingdom in Atlanta in a different way. And I did. Yes. And we're hearing these different groups that came out of it, many. Praise God. That's awesome. And when you were saying that... Um the Lord just brought to me um, in the book of Haggai, uh, yep. chapter 1. Okay. It talks about when the prophet Haggai released the word of the Lord, it says it stirred the heart of Zerubbabel, and it yep. stirred the heart of Joshua, and it stirred the spirit yep. of the entire remnant of the people. And... Um, you're exactly right. It, it says right here in Haggai 1.14, and the Lord stirred the spirit yeah. of Zerubbabel. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful because, you know, when it when I think about prophetic ministry and when 
prophecy is released, when true prophecy is released under the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit, yeah. it, it releases the very life of God. Yeah. It, you know, like you were saying in, in Revelation 19, that uh, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Yeah. And vice versa, it goes and, back and forth. And, yeah, and it, it's, um, you know, one thing that's so powerful about prophecy when it's released is that it accomplishes what Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says. It gives people a hope. It gives them a future because God is, is releasing such encouragement. He's saying you have a hope, you have a future. This yeah. is what is ahead, of, ahead for you because prophecy primarily pertains to the future. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not talking about words of knowledge, which are uh, past or present tense. Uh, prophecy... Uh, which is future tense um, when it's spoken. And so it, rele it releases tremendous hope in people's yeah. lives. And Jesus Christ, we know, is our blessed hope. Amen? Yes. And um, so that's so powerful. And, you know, my wife and I, um, you know, you'll, you'll get to hang out with us real soon uh, when you come down to minister. Awesome. Um, uh, you know, we we flow in. Um, it's pretty it's pretty amazing how God has just kind of done this with us. Uh, we we flow in um, the gift of tongues and and interpretation of tongues. Wow! And um, th this is something that it, it it's you, you don't it's kind of rare in the body of Christ nowadays. Yeah. Um, to see those gifts manifest, and um. You know, when th when this started happening to me and I started experiencing that, um, you know, when that gift would manifest, it felt like a volcano inside of me erupting. It, it, oh, yes. That's kind of the best way to describe it. Wow. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's, we know that the gift of tongues, when there's interpretation equals prophecy and um you know it one thing the lord was really showing me about this mark and i want you to comment on this is that um the gift of tongues is different than you praying just in your you know praying in the spirit um right and when it manifests in the body of Christ in a corporate gathering or if you're ministering to somebody specifically I've seen it manifest then too um, but it, it it it's like an alarm going off saying it's like God saying I'm here to speak to you yeah and, and it, it's just it's a supernatural thing and um, just you know I want you just if you would comment on that well, um, I remember one time, <laughs> I remember one time, it was almost like the body of Christ, when we were first getting teaching about spiritual gifts, I don't know, this is probably before you were born, but maybe in the 80s or whatever, I was, I was born again in, in the 70s, late 70s, but, um, but when, when we started hearing this teaching and hear about these gifts, it was almost like people would align themselves to one gift and go, I'm this, I'm yes. that. Almost like, almost like horoscopes. 
like I'm an Aries or I'm a Genesis, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm a, you know, the, like the Zodiac or whatever. Right. It was like we would take one, and uh, that's a poverty mentality. Why? Who said? And I remember hearing a teaching uh, about 20 years later, like, uh, you know, you can operate in all the gifts. It, whatever you have faith for, you can have all of it. Right. You want all of it, you want some of it. And I remember I was in a meeting where uh, I was just ministering to a whole bunch of people, maybe 400 people, and I prayed for about 400 people. It wasn't a team ministry. It was like they were doing a line, and they were coming by me. And it was just. And I remember at the end of that, I, prof I, I operated in all nine of those gifts, and if there was a 12th or a 14th, I probably do that too. But... but uh, that one is not understood as well. Tongues is the, the way I understand it, is tongues is the manifestation of the gift that we see in Acts 1, 8, 2, 4, uh, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, where you see, and, and they were all there, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. And they spoke in a language no one understood, blah, 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 blah. And they were praising God and glorifying God and, you know, this worshiping God in another language. People heard this. They said, well, he's praising God in whatever, Slovenia, whatever. And and so when when you hear that, you know, you know that tongues is for that. It's for it's a language only God understands. The spirit is speaking it through your mouth, through you. You're submitting to it, but you're 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 humbling yourself because no man can tame the tongue, right? James 4. So God is taming your tongue. So I think it's, I think it, he's got to get your tongue. Your tongue is the gateway to get all the other gifts. And then prophecy is the beginning gift to get a hold of you, to be used to do all this other stuff. So uh, tongues is the gateway to the spiritual gifts. The gateway to all the other gifts is prophecy. So if you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy. And so I see how they work. Uh, the one you see in First uh, Corinthians twelve and fourteen there is in a is in a public setting or you're in your ministering. It could be in a public meeting or it could be a home group meeting, but it's not just random. It's you do this and somebody is the beneficiary of what you're saying. Yes. Uh, what your your interpretation? The interpretation is a uh, one of those uncovering gifts like discerning of spirits uncovers word of knowledge uncovers. Yes. Uh, discernment of spirits uncovers uh, you can see different things about people their gifts their callings uh, uh, interpretation of tongues is an uncovering of what it what is that what is being said is that is that praise is that a prophetic word what is it it could be it isn't just a prophetic word it could be anything God wants it to be That's right. you know so um, it, I, I think they go together they're like you know, tongues gets a hold of your tongue and turns cessationists, Baptists, and uh, Lutherans into tongue-talking Pentecostals. And then, and then you can have all the other gifts through the prophetic. You can you can prophesy for somebody. You can also get them healed and operate the word of knowledge. Yes, that's awesome. And I agree with you 100%. What I've always told people is that um, the, they're the Holy Spirit's gifts. And as long as the Holy Ghost lives in you, and you've, you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you have all nine gifts that reside in you. Yeah. And um, 
And so you can operate in all the gifts, in all nine That's gifts good. listed yes, in First Corinthians 12. Yeah. That's so awesome. And, um, you know, I'm looking at your book here that you sent me, and on the cover of it, it says, The New Normal Christian Life, The 166 Lifestyle. And <laughs> I've been reading through your book. It's an excellent book. And tell us what you mean about the 166 lifestyle and what all that encompasses. Yeah, just it just dawned on me that we're supposed to live this a few years ago, and it dawned on me. Um, I had a message, and I just, and I, back then they were using the word factor a lot, so I used that. What, what is the 166 factor? It's how do you live the other 166 hours you're not in church on Sunday, the two hours you're in church? So you have 168 hours in the week, 24-7, right? Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Everybody says that, 24-7. So it's, what do you do? Okay, you're in church and you prophesy and you're nice to people and you give money. What about the rest of your life? So this is what's happened. We turn church into a meeting to attend rather than a lifestyle to be lived. We, we manifest the glory of God in a two-minute, two-hour two situation, and that's it for the week. So we realized, hey, wait a minute. There's a whole lot more that's happening. We got, we got 166 hours left. Again, we know a lot of that we sleep. We know a lot of that we brush our teeth. We know a lot of that we do just natural functions and shopping. and Okay, but you have a lot of time that you're not working, you're not doing this, that, that you're on the way to things. Uh, three out of four times where you see Jesus doing a miracle, he was on the way to do something else. He was on the way to the synagogue, and somebody grabbed him. He was on the way here, and somebody said, uh, Rabbi, heal me. You know, So uh, we realized that the lifestyle is on the way. You want to you see God do something? It's on the way. As you're on the way, you, everybody goes to Walmart. On your way to talk Walmart, you can have a divine encounter if your eyes are open to look for them. If, yeah. if your eyes are closed to go, I, I only do that stuff in church. I only pray for people in wheelchairs in church. Uh, that's stupid. We have, need to have a lifestyle that is congruent with our Christianity. I'm a Christian 24-7. I want to act like one. So if I pull up at a gas station and see somebody is there crying, I'm going to ask them what the deal is and pray for them and prophesy over them. Uh, and you know what? If people would just wake up to that, if they would just... And you see all those passages, how it's almost like as so much happened supposedly accidentally in Scripture, but it was divinely orchestrated. So nothing was accidental. Amen. It was set up. But we have to open our eyes to, to look. You know, we shouldn't look at people walking by in wheelchairs or with crutches the same way. Again, you know, and I have, I have so many stories with that. I can't really, we, I know we're running out of time. And I can't get into that, but that's another there's so many stories of that, and I'm always looking for it when I go anywhere and do anything. You never Amen. know. Amen. Well, I want to. I want you to give us a testimony of one of the the most amazing miracles that you've seen God do. Okay. Well, uh, we went out uh, with a group in Walla Walla, Washington, which is a very um, not a lot of Christians there. Very liberal arts town, and uh, we found out 
that the town was grieving because one of the kids killed himself at the college the Thursday night. We arrived on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, and we we're going to try and minister at this college. Well, we we were we ministered to the college and had a lot of divine appointments, but I thought that might have been where things were going to happen. But then we're headed back to the church building. And this is groups of people. Some people have never done this in their life, prayed for anybody outside the building or anything. A lot of them were freaking out because they prophesied over people. People got healed. A Muslim got saved. And they were just freaking out. They were just like, I can't believe I can do this. Like, what? who said you couldn't? You know. But we go to this one guy, and uh, we ask him about prayer. And he turns to us, and his right eye is gone. I mean, his right eye is white. And so we walk into this, like, in a building area to kind of get away. It was starting to rain, so we go, we're undercover. So we go inside this kind of section of a building. And uh, we say, well, what's going on? He said, I wish you'd pray. That would be good. And uh, he was really asking for prayer. And he basically had no white. He had glasses on. His, his uh, left eye was fine, but his right eye was completely white. And I said, well, what happened? He goes, we're 20 years ago. Um... On a, on a construction job site, a nail gun went right within a few feet away from me. Pew! Shot one of those long, you know, 16 nails right in my eye. Killed it. Destroyed the retina. Destroyed everything. Whew! And I, I said, so what is it? He goes, nothing. It's just white. He goes, it's dead. You would call this dead. He goes, so I try to keep a patch over it half the time. Or just keep it closed. I was like, Jesus. And so we looked at it and I said, okay. And so I'm talk. I, I've got 14 year old, I got a 20 year old, I got a, uh, a couple of singles, like college students. I said, "Well, let's go. How many of you want to be part of a miracle?" Yes. So I guess there's about five of us, and there's somebody else that started praying for somebody else in this other section of this room, this kind of alcove section near a funeral home. I know it sounded weird, but it's just a weird day, and so. Um, and it was closed, but we were just in this part of this cover area. And so we started praying, and we prayed for him, and there was some, uh, somebody had some music charts. One of the worship team guys had some music charts. And so uh, I said, well, we'll use those. He can look at those and see if he can read them later. And so I said, well, let's just start praying. We just commanded his eye to open. We commanded blindness to go. We, we broke the blindness. We released the light of God, and we commanded his eye to see. And uh, I said, well, y'all keep praying. So I leave. They just get my forum praying. I go and pray for somebody else about something else. And that was really cool. That person was crippled and had a limp and they started walking. It was really cool. Anyway, that was pretty fast. That was like five minutes. So I come back and so what's happening? I said, well, let me look at your eye. And uh, he has his glasses off. Like I said, the left eye is perfect. And you can see this little spot in the center like, like a dot. And I go, Something's happening. Keep praying. But it's nothing. You can say, oh, you're just seeing it. I said, keep praying. And so we keep praying. We just keep declaring. And they're just praying. Some are praying in tongues. Some are just praying. Like, But we're not begging God to do anything. We're commanding the eye to open. Okay. So I walk around and different things. And then I, five minutes later, we look again. And it's a pencil, like a pencil eraser size, a little circle. And I go, okay. Keep going. And literally, 25, 30 minutes, it went from 
spot pencil size, then it went to a, a little smaller than a dime, then it went to a dime, and we are freaking out. He's getting an eye. And it's like the white part became where it's supposed to be. The white part is the pupil, right? And all that other stuff. And within 30 minutes, I swear, God gave him a completely new eye. Wow. New eye, same color as the other. Now, here's the mind blower. He was wearing, like I wear, uh, just reading glasses. They're like one and a half or two or whatever. They just magnify things, you know, a little bit. Uh, more than regular. Okay, they're not like they're not like the kind you get the prescription for uh, the real bad sight. They're just they're just reading glasses, right? So he had reading glasses on his left eye, but his right eye was. And I, so I said, okay, take off your glasses, take off your glasses, and and I had somebody. I said, put put your hand over your good eye, and I said, what do you see? And he goes. Uh, it's just weird, just weird colors and stuff. I said, keep praying. And he started singing. And I, and I go, oh my gosh, it's tingling. Like crazy. I said, that's good. And in about 30 minute period, the last five or eight minutes was all this tingling and stuff. And we are freaking out because it's like we look on it. We, it's a little, it's all messed up. Then we look again and it's a little better. It didn't just, we worked a miracle. It wasn't like, boom, one second. It was 30 minutes. Maybe more than that. Maybe 20 minutes. Wow. I but I say, okay, give me that chart. So it's just a chart of words. You saw a few chords. I said, what does that say? He goes, well, it says, my God, my God. I go, oh, my God. I go, could wow. you do this before? He goes, it's a dead eye. I couldn't see anything. Wow. So he and I keep giving him charts. I go, here, give me another one of your charts. And the worship guy is freaking out. We give him two or three charts. He can see when he goes, okay, and we put his hand over the other eye. I said, put your hand over your new eye and look. And he goes, I can see. He goes, you know what? I can see perfectly with both eyes now. <laughs> so wow. God, we weren't praying for that eye, but God healed both his eyes, congruent, and he walked out of there with no patch, no glasses, seeing perfectly. We recorded it. Everybody's doing cell phone pictures of it. I don't know where all that stuff is now, but it was so bizarre how it happened. And the kids, and one of the guys still lives down the street, but not far from me. And he and I pray for people all the time to get their sight. And we've seen cataracts disappear. We've seen blindness disappear. And so he's my go-to guy for the area of blindness. Wow. He and I, awesome. we're a great team. We get it done. That's awesome. Um, that's funny you say that because it was probably two or three weeks ago. Um, I was in the morning service at church here, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge uh, for somebody that had like real blurry vision and that was struggling with it. And um, uh, nobody responded immediately. But the following week, uh, this man came up to testify. Who, uh, who's like a real military type guy, like real straightforward, like doesn't mess around. Sure. And um, he said, yeah, when uh, Brother Miles gave that word of knowledge last week, I didn't realize it was for me, but I've had real blurry vision. My eyes have really been bothering me and all this and that. And, um, and so God touched his eyes 
no more problems with his vision, no more blurry vision or anything like that. Amazing. And, uh, it was just a supernatural thing. And when he got up and testified about it in front of the church, it was like a ball of fire was in my belly as he was testifying. And um, it, was, it was awesome. But I like what you said because you're talking about working the miracle. And um, I think that there's some revelation behind that in working the miracle that people need to hear. Yeah, it's a working of miracles uh, yes. that we do. And I don't know, how much time do we have? Are we just about... Yeah, so what it, we may have to do, we may have to come back, and, yeah. and what we'll do is we'll, we'll come back and do uh, another broadcast, and, and we'll talk about miracles and, the wor and working miracles. I was, I was feeling that we ought to, before we close right now, we ought to, this would be a good time to pray for people that need a miracle, yes. but especially with their spiritual sight or their natural sight. Yes. Um, so if anybody's listening to this, wherever you are, and you you have blurry vision, or you have broken up vision, or you have cataracts, or you have uh, you were diagnosed with uh, glaucoma, you know, uh, young people being diagnosed now like, that are like 18 with the glaucoma is insane. So we just curse that, and we just speak, we just command those eyes, spiritual eyes, but also naturalized to be open we command the eyes of our heart to be open and we command in jesus name those natural eyes that sight come yes blind that the, the blind will see the lame will walk the deaf will hear and the gospel they'll know the gospel was preached to them because this happened in jesus name yes Amen. father we just thank you right now for releasing your anointing we thank you lord god for opening eyes we thank you for uh where even new retina, new cornea, uh, uh, those attachments yes. in their eyes, Lord God. Um, yeah. Even where people have had busted blood vessels in their eyes, you would yeah. restore it right now in Jesus' name. We just thank you for releasing yeah. that right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I just, I just sense the presence of the Lord right yeah. here. And um, so awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, why don't you tell people where they can find you at, where they can connect with you at? Uh, you know, Mark's written a couple of excellent books that um, you could go online and order from them and check out. And uh, Mark, could you give them your website? And yeah, my website is uh, www.166factor.com. And I have a bunch of uh, podcasts on there. I've got a bunch of um, uh, messages on there, blogs of different topics. I do one on the seer anointing, which is the uh, three days, three different chapters about the prophetic seer, which is a type of prophetic gifting. Uh, but it says he's covered the heads of the seers and he's covered the eyes of the prophets. So a prophet and a seer are similar. A seer is a prophet, but all prophets are not seers. Prophets see, but a seer doesn't just see. They feel, hear, smell, taste, touch. So it's all the senses of the spirit amplified. And it's a type of prophetic uh, calling. Anyway, so um, all of that stuff's on the website. 
You can also donate there. You can buy the books there. You can find out how to get all that stuff. And I appreciate hearing from you. God bless you. Yes, and I do want to encourage those to go visit Mark's website. It's uh, 166 lifestyle or 166 factor right dot com yes. 166factor.com go there check out his materials check out his books his teachings and definitely sow a financial seed into his ministry i know mark is traveling all over uh preaching and ministering in different churches and you did when we talked last time mark you told me you're headed to kuwait isn't that right yep yep so, and I, I can't really talk about it much because it's a underground thing, but um, because, uh, it's a small country, but it's um, God's doing a lot of stuff in the Middle East, and he always has. Uh, he's from the Middle East, by the way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Christianity is a Middle Eastern religion. Yes. So, Amen. So that's the end of the month. Next month, I'm going there for a week. Praise God. That's awesome. Um, well, I want to thank everybody for tuning into this podcast yeah. and um, definitely connect with Mark. Uh, stay connected with us through Facebook, social media. Also, you can check out our website, our new website that we have up for the new church that we're planning in Pooler, Georgia, is theriversav.org. Uh, you can check out what we're doing there uh, with the church plant that we're planning in Pooler, Georgia. And definitely stay connected with us through social media. Uh, we'll have more podcasts that we're coming out with, and I'm going to have Mark back on, uh, and we're going to talk about some more things. And I think I, r I really feel led to talk about uh, miracles. And, and, yeah, um, we'll do that next time. And, and there's, there's so much uh, being prophesied yeah. about God releasing signs, wonders, and miracles in this day. And I believe that wholeheartedly. So Thank again, you. amen. We uh we just bless everyone that's listening right now in Jesus' name, and uh, we thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Bless you.